0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back into Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter, where today Rachel and I are diving deep into Chapter 6, the journey from Platform 9 and 3 quarters. There's so much good stuff to talk about in this chapter, and we are excited to do so with you all. Just a quick reminder that this episode may contain some adult content, nothing too crazy, a little bit of swearing here or there. It's probably fine to listen to in front of kids, but just so you're aware, there's a little bit of stuff that might not be okay, just so you can make a judgment call. And also, this podcast contains heavy, heavy, heavy spoilers for the whole Harry Potter. series, so if you haven't read all seven books, just be very cautious, because you're going to be spoiled on some stuff. If that's cool with you, that's cool with you. I just want to give you the heads up before you dive deep into this chapter with us. Also, make sure to check the show notes for all of the social stuff. We'd love to hear about uh, what you think of this podcast on Twitter, on Gmail. Let me know what you think of the chapter, what you're rating it, who are your winners, like all of those things. Feel free to do that. We would love to hear from you, and that way we can do some feedback episodes and stuff as well. Uh, Without further ado, though, let's dive deep into to Harry Potter Chapter 6, The Journey from Platform 9 and Three-Quarters. For those of you listening, again, feel free, i to say this every episode, feel free to go and like find an actual recap. These are just the fun ones that I write up as I'm reading because I think they're funny. Harry gets dropped, uh, dropped off by the train station where he's bamboozled by the train platform issues. The Weasleys pop by and help him out and boom, we're on the magical train. Ron and Harry bond and become BFFs and we meet a rotational cast of other students we will need to know. There's also some great world building and information exchanged and the two lads get to know each other. Harry also buys a fuckload of candy with all his money that he will <laughs> never give to the Weasleys, which is
1: just oh a personal which is just a
0: personal grievance that I have. Uh, I know Rachel doesn't agree with me, but
1: I'm You're throwing after go I- without this coming up. I'm throwing that in there because it bothers me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think Harry buying all the candy is probably one of the more important things that happens in this chapter.
0: Definitely, and and a good example. Of all the people. You're one of them. Like, oh, the Weasleys are too proud money. Ah. It's like, Ron, Ron eats all that candy. Ron doesn't go like, hold up, Harry. Hold up here. Don't spend all your money on that candy. Because... Oh, I-
1: but he does insist on trading one of his corned beef sandwiches, though.
0: That is true. That is true. It's
1: not something for nothing.
0: All right. What? what, what I don't want to get into this argument because <laughs> I'm probably going to lose. What is, your, <laughs> what is your alternate chapter title?
1: Oh, God. Where did I put it? Is it up at the top? I have to find it because I definitely wrote it.
0: Yeah, I, I can see it. I have it pulled up. I'll go with mine then while you're while you're finding it. I went with the magical world building and exposition cart. Uh, authors need in, in these types, especially fantasy books, but in all books, to, to find a way to give their reader lots of information and introduce them to lots of new people in a really quick fashion this is a short book i believe there's 18 chapters we're already on chapter six so one third of the way through the book and we haven't even met most of the characters we need to meet we're not even at like the big kind of set piece location that we need to get to so this chapter needs to introduce us to a lot of stuff and having harry and ron kind of sit in a cart on a train and have everyone else and everything else that that's needed for the exposition rotate through that cart i found worked really effectively and made it not be boring
1: Hmm. okay so i did find it I really wanted to try and like fit a journey reference in here about like a magic train going anywhere, but we know where the train is going. So, my alternative title for this one was A Happy Departure and a Wondrous Arrival.
0: Certainly, a happy departure. Getting rid of the Dursleys is like priority numero uno for Harry, and he does it rather effectively. I have a few thoughts, like the, the Dursley thing. I don't want to spend too much time on it just because this is chapter six and the Dursleys have been awful in every single chapter. Mm. Uh, and so them being awful in this one can kind of feel repetitive on a podcast. But there, there's a few things here that are kind of interesting to me. You know, Harry waiting to the last second to tell them that he needs to go to uh, King's Cross is definitely something an 11-year-old would do, but specifically something Harry would do. In book, yeah. in book four, Harry doesn't tell them how the Weasleys are going to arrive or didn't think to ask. There's a few other moments, even as like he's getting like 15, 16, 17, where he does this exact same thing.
1: Or yeah, like he has a month to figure out what the egg means in the fourth book. And it's right. like the night before. And he's like, I'll probably figure it out. I'm like, no, dude.
0: Yeah, Dobby helps him 10 minutes before the task. That's exactly right. Yeah Harry, yeah, Harry has a has a thing for that. And then the other thing I found interesting here with this is that Vernon, who's now completely, who's always been aware, but is now definitely completely aware of the magical world exists, Harry's going to go to a magical school, all of that. Why is it so weird to him that they would have a magical platform? Like, he seems like he's got that gotcha moment, like, ha ha, Harry, you fool. There's only a platform nine and ten. How will you find, like, dude, they have a magical platform. Like, it was weird to me that he was so hung up that this platform couldn't possibly exist.
1: I don't know if he's hung up so much, or or just like maybe he's that much of a jerk, because he like he's pretty much hit his limit on what he will accept from the magical world, and he drives this kid who didn't tell him he probably had to like take time off from whatever he had to do that day to drive three hours into London, right? Um, and he's like, and now I'm going to this made up platform that you've never heard before. He's like, can you just not? It, there's n- there's no platform like that so i thought that was funny but also he's like he's a giant jerk and he continues to be a giant jerk
0: you have some notes about them being it, your, your notes are very funny because it starts off being like "Ooh, the dursleys are kind of nicer and then it's like just kidding they're terrible yeah. do you have any kind of overall thoughts on the the dursleys
1: um yeah well this chapter was a bait and switch because they're like oh, okay i guess we'll tolerate you leaving because there's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel of having to take care of this kid. And then they leave an 11-year-old alone at King's Cross Station with no way to leave and no way to contact them if for some reason he doesn't get on the train. They just abandon him. So that was wild.
0: Very Hagrid-esque from the last chapter, just leaving Harry.
1: But, yeah, final thoughts on the Dursleys? I don't know. They're just, they're bad people put into a, a weird situation. And I think, like, they behave consistently with how they've come to expect. But, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say doing one nice thing kind of excuses a lifetime of abuse for Harry. I don't think they're, like, the worst people in the world. But they just handle everything so poorly i
0: think i think bad people in a in a weird situation is probably the best way to describe them like they're already not good people but then throwing them into this weird situation just kind of makes the badness kind of stand out more
1: yeah especially because they i think they pride themselves on being so normal so not only are they dealing with you know being terrible people they also have to be terrible people while their worldview is just completely shifting then you just get some very off behavior from them.
0: Yeah, I do feel a little bad for Dudley here. He doesn't... He, he, Dudley specifically did not deserve that, the tail. And he still has it. This is... I can't remember what Harry says. Because he's in this chapter, he's been marking off things on a calendar. It's been a, it's been a little bit. Weeks, maybe. And the fact that they have to go to a human... Uh, not human, but like a muggle surgeon and get this tail removed. That feels... That's just also so awkward. Like, how do you put it in your notes? Like, how do you explain that?
1: Yeah, what's the... What do you maybe you just say he was born with it? But then the doctor would ask, you know, can we see scans of it? Because if you were born with a tail, they probably took Uh,
0: scans of it. Absolutely. That would have been like the newspaper or something. Or at least like some someone, like some doctor kind of exchange would have that information somewhere.
1: Yeah, I I also I just don't have it in me to feel bad for Dudley ever. I think (laughs) until until he encounters the Dementors in I think, is it book five that's the beginning of book five yeah yeah that's when i started feeling a little bad for dudley because like no one should have to deal with that um and i think that's kind of when you start seeing a shift in his character realizing that you know he has done bad stuff under the influence of his parents because you know an 11 year old like most of their behavior at that point at that point is completely taught it's learned so the way that he treats harry poorly He's learned from his parents. That said, he obviously does have a cruel streak in him. And you can see that in how he treats Harry. I feel bad that he got a tail, but at the same time, like how many times are you going to taunt karma before it comes for you?
0: Fair play. Uh, I, I, I'm going to settle on feeling a little bad for him. Not not all in bad. Like, I, I'm like, oh, no, how terrible. But kind of like, ah, oh, that kind of sucks ah that's mm-hmm. not ideal uh the Dursleys do abandon him on the train station that wasn't very nice of them uh you know they also like kind of like say the only reason they even took him is because they need to go to London anyway like okay Vernon like sometimes you can keep those thoughts inside your head you don't have to say all of them yeah out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but they abandon him at the train station and this is a great little bit of writing but I have so many questions about how this whole sequence goes. So Harry's there, you know, there's no platform nine and three quarters. He's talking to the muggle guard who has no idea what he's talking about, which means the platform is working effectively. That's all like Mm. nerve wracking and terrifying. And Harry's like, there's no idea what to do. Then he spots this redheaded family and we learn they're the Weasleys. But I have so many questions about how this sequence works. So Molly Weasley, who Mm. went to Hogwarts herself, so that's seven mm-hmm. years. So she's been on this train seven times herself. Then it has like 150 children. Bill and Charlie are already all through Hogwarts. So that's seven years for one. And then let's assume one's like two years younger. So two of those nine years of just mm-hmm. those two where you're taking them to the Hogwarts Express. So like nine plus that's 16 times this has happened up until this point. That doesn't even include all the times she's taken Percy, Fred, and George up until this point. So let's call it 21, 22 times that she has personally taken this jaunt to platform nine and three quarters. The train has never left at a different time or from a different place. And the way to get in the platform has never changed. And yet here she is with a majority of people who have also already taken this journey. Right. And she's just like, what's the platform again? I have no idea. Where are we going? And I just found that it's great for Harry to know that Intel, Right? And the reason why she yells it out loud is so Harry can hear it as, as, in terms of the writing. But it's bonkers to me that Molly Weasley's is, like, struggling with this.
1: I didn't read it that way. I read it as her kind of, like, entertaining Ginny. Because Ginny's the one that answers.
0: That is true. Ginny is the one that answers.
1: Yeah, so she's walking along, and I think it's Ginny's first time going, because she's 10 in this one. I think she's only Yeah, she's a
0: year before the... Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, Fred and George are off, you know planning whatever scheme they're going to get into next percy's too self-important to care ron has dirt on his nose so he's not paying attention uh and so she's like okay jenny where are we going and she's like platform nine three quarters so that was how i read that
0: interesting excited uh, to be there yeah (laughs) i I, that's how i read it kind of when i was younger reading harry potter you just kind of passed through it but it, it was more for like the sake of analysis i was like wait a second Yes. wait a second molly like what are we talking about here you know exactly where you're going that's a that's a i think that's a that's a fair counter argument that she's entertaining ginny
1: yeah and i, I think, also think like this might be the most exciting day of the year for her because she gets to get rid of fred and george oh my god yes but also <laughs> but also all her kids okay but do you think any of them are as high maintenance as fred and george no no
0: no no, no, no. but like you know, but either way like even if your kids are the best kids ever like, the, the yeah. one of the benefits of this kind of society of, like, boarding schools and stuff is that you and your husband just get to, like, have a house for 10 months of the year and mm-hmm. just get to, like, live your life without your, your kids.
1: That's fair. Yeah. Actually, a, it, also, it
0: also, like, brings it, like, how much parenting actually gets done in the wizarding world? I guess this is kind of emblematic of how, like, not all of Britain, but how, like, a lot of real world, like, Britain I know Australia and New Zealand also do a lot of, like, boarding school type setups. But it puts the onus on the school to do a lot of the educating, parenting, and I don't know. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, And I think we see that because some of the children behave like absolute nutters. (laughs)
0: yes absolutely crazy uh we meet Seamus later and his introduction is I think my favorite character introduction I love
1: I love his introduction so much
0: it's so good before we get there though okay so we'll 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 go with Molly Weasley was entertaining Ginny and Harry picks up this intel and that's awesome for him uh he knows where platform nine and three quarters is now it takes him a little bit of a it's a bit of a struggle to kind of figure out how to get through there there's backpackers walking by um and it's a bit of a struggle to get through, but but he makes it through. I have one kind of point before we get through the platform, though, is like I, I sometimes wonder if the adults in Harry Potter like actually care about you know safety or you know giving enough information or just anything normal adults do later in the story. Dumbledore is not going to tell Harry about the Horcruxes specifically that he uh or not tell him about the hallows or specifically that he's not a, a horcrux those are two things he'll mm-hmm. keep from him and that's very important and there's like an actual reason for that hagrid not giving him any instructions on how to get into this platform and leaving harry to wonder if he's like missing on this like three brick tapping thing <laughs> it's just neglect that's it's just neglect it's just dumb <laughs> like what are we doing dumbledore you gotta put someone else in charge of getting harry these instructions
1: well, that was my other thought is why is there not just one wizard dressed as a conductor at the station for Muggleborns?
0: Right, I think because what i Harry think, is I not think the first happened. person to do this. No, I think how it normally goes is uh, later, I can't remember whose parents they are. Maybe Hermione's? I can't remember whose, but they, we get like Muggleborn parents on the train platform later in the story. So I think what happens okay. is that like the the school, I know uh, Snape mentions it in his little flashback in his little flashback, <laughs> his monumental <laughs> story shifting flashback in book seven. Uh, Snape mentions that they're gonna come and tell, like they'll come personally and tell Lily she's a witch to explain to the parents. I think at that point they give the parents the instructions because later we do get Muggleborn. I can't remember whose or in what book we do get Muggleborn parents on the train platform. So I think that's how that works. I think Harry's just unique in the sense that he's going by himself.
1: Okay, so maybe Hagrid really was supposed to stick around a little longer. Or just tell him. Yeah. Like, I, Hagrid has it. a
0: job. He's got to be at Hogwarts. He's got the, the first years are going to get to him. He's got to give him a tour or whatever. I get that. But someone just needs mm. to tell Harry what on earth is going on here.
1: Yeah, or, you know, you could just run into a bunch of walls until you figure it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Harry, he needs to run into every single wall uh, in <laughs> between platform nine and ten. And one of them you'll go through and the rest will crash into. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Harry (laughs) makes it through the wall. He's struggling to get his uh, bags on the train. What I like about this is it's kind of more, you know, later in the story, we're going to get truly magical things. You know, flying, you know, not even flying broomsticks. The three-headed dog in this book is kind of the best example. That's not something that exists in the real world, right? And Mm -hmm. it's it's not even really close enough to a dog to even, like, be the same thing. Um, whereas like a flying broomstick is taking something that we have brooms and making them cool. Uh, what mm-hmm. I like about like the, the train is the same thing is it, it's kind of slowly introducing you to magic and a way like, Oh, this is a train and it's just going to go on the train tracks to Hogwarts. So what's magical about it is how you get to the train. Um, but I do like mm-hmm. how the story's not overflowed with just completely fictional magical things. I do like these little bits of kind of kind of doing it halfway, where it's something that's recognizable to me as an 11-year-old reader, like yeah. a train, but also magical in the sense that it's in a magical wizarding world.
1: Yeah, slow exposure. I think is probably, yeah. Because it, I suppose, I wonder if they'd be allowed to do, if their parents could, like, operate them to the edge of the campus or uh, use a port key.
0: No. I way. wonder if
1: there are any students that do, or do they all have to take the platform? They all the have to plane? take the,
0: I, okay, I, oh my goodness. I remember, I either listened to, okay, it's one of two places. I either read it on Pottermore, which is likely, or mm-hmm. there's an episode of Binge Mode, which is another podcast where they dive into, like, the Hogwarts Express and how it works, and they used to do apparating- At least, like, canonically used to do apparating and port keys and stuff. But then Mm -hmm. people would use that as an excuse to claim they were, like, sick for the first, you know, like, that port key sickness that people get or Um, whatever it is. Like, a bunch of students would just not go to class for the first week and claim they were sick and the hospital ward was overflowing. (laughs) So that's why they all have to use the train now. That's not the reason the train came in. That's a separate thing. But the reason they all have to use the train is because the people yeah. that weren't were, were claiming they were sick from like portkey sickness or ap- mm-hmm. yeah whatever the.
1: Can you imagine being a parent of who has their kid and you live in the north of England? And you find out the school they're going to, I think, is in Scotland. In but they're Scotland, like, no, 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 no. Come all the way down to London and then you can take an eight-hour <laughs> train. <laughs> right, right,
0: right. You're like up in Inverness or something and you're so close. You're so, so close. And you have to come all... I have never thought about that. Yeah, that sucks for the... the really anyone... I think north Eng- like the north of right. England is probably like halfway. So it's a yeah. waste of time on the train. But in terms of like parents getting their kids to one place or another it's probably Mm -hmm. not but if you're if you're up in scotland oh boy
1: i'd probably just like apparate down shove the kid through the wall be like okay later this is exhausting
0: yeah it's also wild (laughs) they don't have like a second stop like like even just a second we'll stop in london and we'll stop in liverpool and then we'll head up to scotland
1: there are so many places along the way
0: (laughs) there's there's thousands of train stops i'm sure But even just pick like another big one. Like I know Liverpool, Manchester, these are all places kind of more north that have massive train stations that you could make another.
1: Yeah, but I think we established last time that the Wizarding World does not have sufficient infrastructure. So I'd believe it if you said the Wizarding World only has one train with two stops.
0: Or a competent government. (laughs) They have bad infrastructure and an incompetent government, which is never, those are two things that don't uh, go well together. So Fred and George,
1: well, a... sorry, sorry, you go. Oh, <laughs> Fred
0: and George help Harry with his stuff. They realize he's Harry Potter, and it's nice that the kind of the first people like that are students. I know a bunch of people in Diagon Alley recognized them, but the first kind of mm-hmm. students, kind of peerish type people to recognize them are just nice. Like Fred and George are just nice to him. They help him out. He's already. Or he's later going to kind of find out. I can't remember in the order of which this happens, but that they're like, you know, Molly suggests to them, like, don't blow up any toilets. And they're like, cool, we're going to blow up a lot of toilets. And so, yeah. like, these people are cool. They're fun. They're exciting. We're excited to read about him. He's excited to meet them. And they're just kind of nice to him. Um, and then Ron's there as well. It's his first time. Molly says that. And then Ginny is already in love. Oh, mom, can I go see him? Like, no, Ginny, not yet.
1: <laughs> don't peer day, at the child celebrity.
0: One day, though, Ginny, but not today.
1: Seemingly out of nowhere after a Quidditch Quidditch match, but one day.
0: That is the greatest <laughs> celebration of all time, I think. I, I've one. read a lot of books with a lot of sports celebrations. That Quidditch Cup one after Harry's in detention is my favorite written mm-hmm. one, I think.
1: Also, and I think it's the only time that he was ever actually like able to see a Quidditch season through to the end.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> Um, There's not a lot else that happens here outside of this other than the Weasleys talk to Molly about meeting Harry Potter. And that's pretty cool. That's when Janine's like, oh, mom, can I go see him? Harry kind of shies into the background so he can overhear this conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get, uh, you know, all the info about the the twins being, you know, really funny and they're going to blow up toilets or whatever it is. They're going to do mm-hmm. once they're on the train, though, Harry and Ron or Ron kind of ducks into Harry's compartment, realizes it's Harry. And this is where the the kind of, you know, the main friendship of the story starts. And it's really, really well written here.
1: Mm-hmm. And almost by chance, which I think is so fun.
0: Right. I always like that trope. It's one of the things I'm going to Okay, Star Wars fans, you don't need to email about me. I'm not going to talk about it forever. But it's one of the reasons I really <laughs> like The Last Jedi Okay. Just because the, the kind of one of the themes in that movie is that Ray just kind of accidentally got swept up in it. Right. Like, I think, I think mm-hmm. I'm endeared to characters who are kind of just accidentally just all of a sudden part of a thing. And so like Ron kind of wandering into this cart and being friends with Harry, this feels kind of inevitable as like, there's only four other options for you to be friends with in your dorm. Right. So yeah, <laughs> if, if, if you're, I think it's hard to, if you're already going to be friendly with somebody, I think you end up being friends no matter what. However, I like that Ron just kind of accidentally wanders into this cart and they kind of accidentally meet. And all of a sudden, he's like hanging out with the most famous, most popular uh, wizard. And he's going to go on all these adventures. It's the same thing I really like about Han Solo's character. Like he's just hanging out in the cantina doing his thing. And then, you know, Mm. Luke friggin shows up. And then all of a sudden Han Solo is a key part of this grand adventure. And so I I really Mm. like the kind of incidental way they meet here.
1: Yeah, and I also I I feel like we get a little bit more of confidence from Ron, because he was very timid with his mom, like obviously a little annoyed, but he he kind of is quiet and then he gets into the train and he you know, he's a little more self-assured than we were led to believe. And he doesn't treat Harry like a celebrity, which I think was one of the big first, like endearing traits about him.
0: He doesn't treat him like a celebrity and it's really clever the way this is written because there's enough that they have in common. Like they both haven't read their school books <laughs> is a good <laughs> example. You know, Hermione's is going to come in later and talk about all the books she's read. And, you know, Harry's going to find out that Ron also has not read any of his books, so they have a lot in common, right? They're both mm-hmm. going to get put into the same house, so their personalities obviously match up a, a little bit. But they also have a lot that's different about them. You know, Harry is super famous, and Ron is kind of like, you know, I have a bunch of siblings, and no matter what I do, it's not cool because they did it first. Um, you know, Harry has loads of cash, and and Ron, you know, one of the things um, that they asked earlier is they they set up this really well with Ron because earlier in this chapter, something like why does Percy get new ropes? Right. And Molly says, because he's a prefect, but it kind of it's that one liner that kind of lets you kind of in on the fact that the Weasleys aren't very wealthy and don't have a lot of money. And so then when it comes up later, it's really cool. And, and, you know, Harry's only had a lot of money for about uh, five weeks or whatever. Um, So he's not quite used to it yet. However, it's a really interesting kind of separation here, because in some ways they're very opposite from each other.
1: Yeah, and, and Ron's got this, like, absolute wealth of information just by actually being raised in the wizarding world. So I think while he, like, really, really badly wants to know more about Harry, Harry so badly wants to know more about Ron. And they're both so interesting to each other off the bat.
0: Right, and the fact that it doesn't feel like Ron's character is introduced initially just to be the exposition, right? Because yeah. I think how it goes in a, in a lesser written novel... Ron is kind of introduced only to be the exposition for the reader. And then as we get to know him more throughout the rest of the the, the book or the series, that's when he kind of settles into a more of like a, an actual kind of, you know, three dimensional character instead of the exposition guy. But it's really mm-hmm. well woven in that he has all this information that Harry's interested in and that we, as the reader need to hear. Um, but it's woven in a way that he's a, th- he's a fully three dimensional character right off the, the top. And he's kind of that, He's kind of the first other three-dimensional character we get right away. Like Hagrid is kind of close. We learn a little bit about him, but he mainly is just the tour guide
1: through mm-hmm.
0: the wizarding world for us up until this point. Yeah, the introduction of Ron, it's 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 a short chapter um and it's it's very heavy with exposition, but it's very well written.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and I think it it reminds me a lot of what I was saying about the first conversation with Draco is they're both very good at saying a lot about themselves while talking about something else. So yeah. you learn about Ron, like he's a little insecure being, the, you know, the sixth son when his mother wanted a daughter, his family's not well off. You know, he is a huge Quidditch fan. He loves candy. Um, and, but he never really says anything. Sen- sorry, says any of these things outright. They're just things that you pick up along the way while he's talking about something else
0: as i was rereading this today and he was talking about the kind of the intro to quidditch which again Mm -hmm. jake is very good at this stuff like it's kind of just an intro like there's a couple of positions there's players there's some balls that we got to pay attention to and then wood is going to give us the full explanation later so it's very well kind of set up so it's not overwhelming in the quidditch chapter later but Mm -hmm. the whole time i was like i cannot wait to just dunk on these rules this is the dumbest sport ever created it's so obvious to me that jk is not a sports fan
1: yeah and the... they only have one sport it's just the one sport with like three rules
0: No, they got gobstones don't we? i think we hear about gobstones i don't know if that's a sport in the same <laughs> it's the sport it's a of a sport. hobby it's kind of like it's kind of like you know you know ice hockey and bocce ball like they're both sports yeah but they're very different
1: but one is like a capital s sport
0: right i think that's what's going on with uh, the gobstones team I'm surprised no one else plays remembered. chess. Ron, Ron plays, Ron plays chess. But if Ron plays it, that means it's not like a specifically Muggle thing,
1: because it's Wizard's yeah. chess,
0: which, in which case, the rules are the same, but it's only the pieces that just move by voice command, which is kind of cheating. That's just chess.
1: Yeah, but it's interesting magical chess.
0: Right, <laughs> right. It's Wizard's <laughs> chess because you don't have to touch the pieces. But the rules, it's, anyways. We, I can get into that argument later when when ron is playing it uh, harry spends all his money on on all the candy which is just a hilarious if i was 11 and just ran into you know enormous generational wealth that we still haven't cleared up probably collecting interest in gringotts who knows but like it's an extraordinary amount of money i would spend it all on the candy cart on my first trip to the magical school i was going to
1: okay i i did a really terrible thing and i googled you know, because I think J.K. said at one point in the past that a galleon is like five pounds, like five British pounds. OK. So, so like 10 Googled Canadian
0: it. dollars for us.
1: Yeah. And then so Americans, you're on your own. Sorry. Apparently, the amount of money that you spent on candy was like less than $10. Oh, so what? And how? how little did candy cost in the 90s? He was able to get all of that candy for less than $10. I...
0: I can actually believe that when I was going to elementary school. Oh, dear. Editing Bradley here. And before I let podcast recording Bradley tell you some lame story about his childhood when he was in school and he bought candy, I'm just going to pop in to remind you that if you want to trade some galleons for early access to the podcast and the show notes and a few other cool perks and whatnot, there is a Patreon link in the show notes below. Also, if you want to talk to us about this podcast outside of this podcast feed right here, you can find the Gmail. Let's dive deep pod at Gmail. Dot com but also you can find the facebook group link in the show notes below back to brad's super lame story so that would have been like when i was you know i was around 10 years old in like 2005 right so i was like in grade what would that be grade five grade four ish and i there was mm. a supermarket on my way home like a like a convenience store on my way home from school and i would pop in for candy or a, a slurpee or something just, you know, after school, if I had some change and you can get, yeah. you could get candies for five cents, right? Um, like you would get gummy what? worms for less than five cents each or whatever. See, so if you had a $10 bill, you could get pretty stocked up with candy. You would just have to do it individually. Like you couldn't buy pre-wrapped chocolate bars, but you just go to the section that had all the plastic tubs of individual candy. Yeah. And you could get pretty loaded up for $10 back in <laughs> 2005. Which I think this is set in like 1990 mm-hmm. so earlier than that is the point the I'm trying to make. 90s. So this is even earlier. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we also don't even know what kind of economy the wizards are running. Like maybe it's not a fully capitalist economy where they're worried about profits. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the maybe, maybe the maybe the the cart is just selling at cost to the students. I don't, we don't know what kind of ethics these people have when it comes to charging ten-year-olds for candy. And
1: charging minors for candy.
0: Right. We don't know. We don't know what kind of system they're running.
1: That's true. Maybe it's a private... Maybe the, maybe the train itself is private and owned by Hogwarts, and they just subsidize the candy. Who knows? The wizard right. economy makes no sense.
0: Right. Yeah. No, so it could be anything. Maybe they're not even trying to make a profit. $10, that's <laughs> kind of lame, though, because Harry makes it sound... I guess to him, though, you know what? When I was... I remember, I remember vividly when I was nine years old going on a trip to Mexico... And I did all of my chores for a year to like save. I was like 25 cents a chore. And I did all of them for like a year to save up. And I got to Mexico and I had like $65 in cash. And I felt Mm. absolutely (laughs) like the richest person on earth.
1: Oh, yeah. Like $65
0: in cash. And that's when Canada first came out with our green $20 bills, like the first copy of that. So I had like three green $20 bills in Mexico. I was on top of the world.
1: Oh yeah. I think when, like the first time I ever had my own $20 bill, I'm like, I could buy anything.
0: Right. <laughs> I am t- taken over the world with this $20 bill.
1: Yeah.
0: This is, yeah. So I can see how Harry portrays $10 as a ton of money. Um, we learn mm. about all these different types of candy. Again, really love that they're, they're magical candies, but they're mostly things that exist in the muggle world some more slow immersion here so when we get like the truly magical things it doesn't feel like any uh, shark jumping is happening also makes mm-hmm. exposition so much easier if i already have an idea of what this could be like you get the birdie bots every flavored beans which we have those like the the random flavored jelly beans that's a real that's mm-hmm. not even changed that is just a real thing that already exists that just sounds kind of magical um the yeah. chocolate frogs are sick and the chocolate frog collecting cards are super cool kind of combining candy with like Yu Gi Oh or pokemon or something i think yeah. is a very cool adaptation for jk
1: yeah i've always just got i felt kind of weird about chocolate frogs because i when i read the book i didn't know if they would like move around and then i saw the movie and it was jumping around like an actual frog and i was like would i have to kill this right like, chocolate I, frog to it, eat
0: it? It, when i read it i i think of them as like just a chocolate frog like not a moving yeah. thing, like just you know how we have like easter we have like bunny shaped chocolate
1: that's mm-hmm. how i
0: imagined it but yeah I, like
1: when you get your lint easter bunny but then it starts moving would you ever actually eat that
0: chocolate? that's an ethical issue yeah. i don't i don't think so i don't like chocolate that much Right. And I, I, I really. don't want to say my answer is based on how much I like chocolate, but that's certainly a factor. If I really love chocolate and that was the only chocolate I was going to get for the year, I would have a different train of thought than just currently where it's, like, I don't really like chocolate that much, so whatever.
1: But Maybe it, I'll it, just say that my headcanon for now is the frog that jumped out of the window was the only live one. It was and a so mistake. It achieved, it, was, it achieved its freedom and every other frog is just a chocolate frog. Right. And I shouldn't Someone transfigured it. it.
0: Uh, by yeah. accident that's a good head yeah. someone transfigured it by accident it jumped out it's safe it's free no exactly. one's eating moving chocolate it does create a problem for sure i want so, people's um, emails on that you know you can email us about important things or you can email us about that and i highly prefer emails about whether you would eat a moving kind yeah. of live-esque chocolate frog yeah where, where do you stand ethically on that conundrum? One of the things that's cool about these chocolate frogs, though, is the cards. So the cards mm-hmm. are kind of weird in a way is that it's clearly just there for exposition, right? Like this is clearly mm-hmm. how do I tell people about Dumbledore in a way that's more interesting. However, I would have loved this as a 10-year-old to have like candy oh, yeah. and trading cards. I like it as a 26-year-old when I go to Tim Hortons and it's hockey card season.
1: And I get Mm -hmm. hockey
0: cards with my coffee. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so, like, this for me is super cool. And we get this one of Albus Dumbledore, currently the headmaster of Hogwarts, considered by many the greatest wizard of modern times. Professor Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945 for the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Professor Dumbledore enjoys chamber music and ten-pin bowling. Sure. let's
1: <laughs> we'll just that throw. A yeah. at the L- end. Well, there's 10-pin bowling in there.
0: I, is, it, okay, is it like magic? I don't even know. How that, is it just muggle 10? I don't even know how that works. I don't even want Maybe to know. Maybe the pins
1: like scream as you throw the bowling. Right. In. Is this
0: like wizard chess where it's actually just 10-pin bowling and there's just like something spooky about it? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Lots of info here about Albus Dumbledore. He sounds pretty cool. Like just like as a 10 year old, you're reading this. Like, Okay. He's defeated the great wizard. Most mm-hmm. people think he's the greatest wizard of, of modern times, which is interesting. Um, the 12 uses of dragon's blood, for those of you who might not know what they are and want to go kind of read up on them on Pottermore or whatever. Fascinating stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's way cooler than, than you would think, but this little bit just kind of chucked in a- again, JK is so good at this. And it just, we're just going to mention Nicholas Fumel here. I don't know if it's going to be important, but we're just going to keep this name in the in the conversation. We'll just throw it in. No one's going to talk about it again here, but it's just good to have for later.
1: Well, yeah, what's what's funny is that when I read this when I was a kid, I obviously like I didn't know who Nicholas Flamel was. I didn't know anything about alchemy or the history of like sci- like kind of magical science and history. And so I was like, oh, what a cool character name that she's just made up, a completely original creation of hers.
0: <laughs> uh, but
1: if I was reading this as an adult and I was like, work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Famel, and the name of the book is The Philosopher's Stone, I'd have been mean, like, okay, I see where you're going. But when I was a kid, I thought that was so creative, so original.
0: I, I But like, you should. There should be zero <laughs> 10-year-olds who are, you know, you know, steeped in the knowledge of like the real kind of myths and legends of like Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone and those types of things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wonder, yeah, I don't know what the play was there. Was it like, was the idea that, I guess it's another thing you don't have to create, which is probably helpful when you're keeping this world kind of all together in your head, writing the first mm-hmm. book, but like, is it so like adults will see it and go, I'm aware of that story. That's an interesting I, way to.
1: I think so, but she also has, um, Rowling has a bit of a history of, taking famous figures who may have been magical and implying or just straight out saying that they were magical so kind of immersing us so giving the possibility that we could be a part of this universe because you know they they talk about merlin as well and how he was a really gifted wizard right um and we think oh i know merlin he was a character in history maybe we're in the same universe santa's definitely a wizard Oh, for sure. That's a lot of houses to stop at that's, in a night.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of flu powder and apparating he's doing. The reindeer are just the reindeer are just yeah. you know, just a myth. He just chucks them out to fly around for the cover. I think it's yeah. I think it's a lot of flu powder going on.
1: Oh yeah. A lot of milk consumed in one night. I hope he takes lactate. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. Um when when my little oh this is quite mean. My youngest brother is, you know, eight years younger than me. So when mm. I was like nineteen twenty, he was like 11, 12 and was kind of just kind of, you know, starting to question Santa a little bit. But I had one or two years there where I, we convinced him that Santa left out whiskey or that you left out whiskey for Santa instead of mm. milk. And then I yeah. just got like free whiskey on Christmas Eve. It was the biggest heist of my life. That's I st-
1: genius I, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely bamboozled my youngest brother into spending, you know, or at least our mother's money on whiskey so I could drink it.
1: Yeah, I was watching a, this is a bit of a tangent, but I was watching a clip from a comedian, I think Jack Whitehall, and he was saying. he's so funny. He's so funny, like, in the West, so here in Canada and the States, we leave out milk and cookies. In England, they leave out sherry. Ah, yeah! That's So the implication is that Santa is stopping at every single house, downing a glass of sherry, and then going to someone else's house.
0: Right, you, and he does so, that all night? <laughs> you can tell British culture did what I did. They're like, wait, oh yeah. wait a second, why isn't Santa being left something that I actually want
1: to drink? Yeah, I already spent all this money on presents. Now so I want to know what. The,
0: now I want to know what the milk lobby paid for the marketing. No one mm. chose milk. That was the milk lobby. Okay, we we, I, we can talk about this another time. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you understand how milk became the North American thing to leave out, send us an email. Uh, Neville. So we start now (laughs) with the cart being the rotational cast of exposition, right? Like uh, Neville Mm -hmm. arrives, Hermione arrives, Malfoy arrives. Do you kind of have any overarching thoughts about how this is set up, how it works, some of the characters we're meeting?
1: I, I just think each character does such a good job of, you know, saying what they're about without, you know, saying it outright. Like, Neville, I love Neville so much. Like, back on the platform, his first intro is that he can't find his toad. So we know two things immediately. One, he's uncool because toads are out of fashion. And two, he's really, like, kind of careless with his stuff. We already know all we need to know about Neville in the first book from that intro. And it just keeps going because he still can't find Trevor.
0: I wonder (laughs) how, like, I want to know what the conversation was like, how Hermione got involved in the rescue mission. I imagine what happened is like she was sitting there in a cart reading and Neville was just freaking out that he couldn't find his toad. And then Hermione like asked him to shut up like eight times and then finally got so sick of it, like slammed the book, like threw it on her seat and just like started doing it herself. That's how I imagine that happened.
1: I would like to think that like Hermione actually, she doesn't like when things are wrong. That's why She's always trying to make things right. And in her mind, him not being able to find Trevor would be a thing that is wrong. And it's something that she can fix, which, she, and she's always trying to fix things. So
0: That's I true. think she
1: saw a problem and she's like, I will take charge of this in possibly the most obnoxious way possible. Cause I'm 11 and I don't know anyone. And she just starts like kicking in doors. Like, you seen a toad?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not very, her intro is perfect. And part of Hermione, Hermione actually is a really interesting arc is she kind of goes through a full arc in this, like her arc, She doesn't really have a big arc from book one to book seven. Each book is kind of like a continue, like has its own arc in it that kind of pile on top of each other. Right. Like Mm -hmm. this book, she starts out really bossy, but by chapter 11 or 12, she's, you know, they've, they've beaten the troll or whatever. She's friends with these guys. Right. Like that arc lasts like six or seven chapters. Mm -hmm. Right. And then as we go, through each book she has like by book five you know she's doing Dumbledore's army that's kind of her idea and it's against the rules and she's a great line in the movie I'm not sure if it's in the book um where she's like it's like something like it's fine to break the rules every once in a while you're kind of like holy shit that's been a cool arc for Hermione to go on so I I find this intro interesting because kind of the intro we get is almost obsolete by chapter 12 a little bit Right, and we're mm-hmm. kind of moving on to another arc for Hermione and that's kind of how her character goes so I find that I just Neville Neville is going through one arc for all seven books right mm-hmm. he's like this and it gets slowly better over time whereas Hermione's mm-hmm. very her introduction here is very interesting to me just for that reason is it's kind of resolved by chapter 11 or 12
1: yeah and it she she's just such an interesting character because I think not a lot of other characters have their flaws like like thrown in their face as much as Hermione does. Like she's told she's bossy. She's told she's not good looking. She's told that she's too persistent. They're too loud. You know, like the whole thing with spew, like she doesn't sit with the status quo. Like all these things that are wrong with her get shoved in her face. And I think it's um but she kind of tackles them one by one. Not to say that necessarily all the things I listed are actual flaws. But she learns how to kind of deal with that and accept that so in this book i think in particular is she's bossy and she's a stickler for the rules and that's kind of the the hump she needs to get over
0: which is also like it's a very relate everyone knows a person like hermione right like every Mm -hmm. every class of 30 kids has one or two people like hermione like the kind of kid that's like but like class is ending he's like what's the homework for tomorrow it's like shut up hermione (laughs) We were like, what are you doing? There is someone that's kind of coming up through our leadership programs at work right now, um, Mm -hmm. who's very much like that. And one of the things I have to really work on with that person is like, these are kids like we can't always like, like, the rules are good. The rules are there to keep kids like safe and behaving. And you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they're kids. Like they're not going to follow the rules exactly all the time. So sometimes you gotta like not die on every hill. Like it's a thing yeah. that, that that's true not just of eleven year olds, but there's it's just like a, a real relatable, personable kind of set of character traits. It's not jumping the shark in mm-hmm. any way. Like it's a, she feels like a very yeah. real person that we all know one or two of. Whereas Neville almost doesn't. Neville is almost too a car-
1: like a caricature,
0: like a caricature of uh of somebody that you know Malfoy like most people know like a bully right most people know mm. a bully but not everyone knows a bully that comes from like one of the wealthiest families in the entire realm of existence you know what I mean like like mm. Malfoy also is like a slight caricature like not everyone knows one of those people but I think everyone knows a Hermione or multiple Hermiones.
1: yeah for sure And I think, like, back to Malfoy, I think he suffers because he has to kind of be the mouthpiece for all the bad aspects in wizarding society.
0: Yeah, he gets the bad job of the books by JK. Yeah.
1: Your bullies don't usually say, like, I hate you for X and X societal reasons.
0: (laughs) Right. No, 11-year-old is is saying that. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: But Malfoy does. Malfoy does. You're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think Slytherin just needs a rebrand. We'll talk about that next chapter. I have so many thoughts on the sorting. Like kind of looking back at the sorting after the books are finished is a very interesting kind of thought experiment. Um, mm-hmm. Hermione's introduction is great. You know, we've all learned, we all know a couple of Hermiones. Uh, one of the things I, I just wanted to point out really quick is that, you know, she's also Muggle-born, but she's very prepared. It's a good contrast to Harry. It's kind of sliding mm-hmm. her in, you know, right in the middle of Harry and Ron, which is where she's going to have to sit in just a couple of chapters. Like we're, we're ending up with a trio. So Hermione (laughs) needs to kind of fit in that triangle and and be relatable to the two characters, but also be a little bit different. And a Muggle-born that knows more about, like, magical stuff than Ron does is a hilarious kind of subversion. You would assume Ron would just be the most prepared for all of the wizard schooling. Um, And certainly he is theoretically, or at least in comfort levels, but Hermione's the the bookworm. She's prepared. She knows her stuff. And she's read about Harry in some books, which I find interesting, because so far... Harry's exposure to people knowing him is through just the legend of it all right
1: mm-hmm. but Hermione
0: was never exposed to that legend so she's learned of Harry in the last couple weeks since she's found out she was a witch and needed to get her books and so her experience kind of knowing Harry is just through textbooks which is interesting like not through the general legend that you would have grown up around it's a very interesting perspective on Harry that Hermione has
1: mm-hmm. yeah so we get something different from all three of them which is really nice
0: yeah. And the last thing that happens kind of before Malfoy comes in and, and messes with everything is there's a Gringotts break in. Oh no. Isn't <laughs> that so the much- bank we were told two chapters ago was unbreakable? What <laughs> happened? I wonder if this is gonna be important.
1: I wonder if this has anything to do with the extremely suspicious. Like withdrawal that I made two weeks ago. Right. It's like oh, reading no. reading this
0: as an adult is just like painful. It's like, oh yeah. I wonder if this is gonna be it. like the, the Nicholas Flamel bit is really well hidden. This is just mm-hmm. like like baseball bat meets face. Like we're just gonna is, Yeah. Gringotts <laughs> Bank has been broken into. We were told that couldn't be possible. So we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on this as the chapters. Uh, keep going here. I suspect this is going to be something we learn more about later on.
1: Mm-hmm. You might have the right of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Malfoy comes in. Now, Malfoy is pretty much just a turd here and I we don't need to spend too much time on Malfoy. However, I did want to say red hair, freckles, more children than they can afford. Great burn for an 11-year-old. When I was 11, like, we just called, you know, everyone a poo face or something.
1: This, yeah, but then,
0: this is yeah. proper bullying. If you're like, I, he is a well-practiced, well-versed bully, which I don't like, but, but I kind of admire in a way. Like, at least he's going all in.
1: I mean, he also, like, kind of subtly threatens to kill Harry. Yes, Yes. He says, would be more careful if I were you. If you're if you're not nicer, you might go the same way as your parents. What?
0: Yeah, he don't There's two things. There's the kind of implied murder part of it, which is not good. Um, but also, like... He's dunking on some kid's dead parents. Like, that's the first thing he wants to do. Like, in the robe shop, he didn't know it was Harry. So he's just just being a jerk, but not specifically at Harry. Second interaction, (laughs) he's immediately on, yeah, you're going to die like your dead parents, you 11-year-old child.
1: I think in my notes, I put down that he was a gross little boy. I don't know why I thought that was the most apt description, but yeah, no, his behavior in this chapter is...
0: Yeah, I put God. Oh, no. This kid is insufferable. Uh, insufferable. <laughs> he, he what, what what is really good here is this isn't going to be as big of an issue till Chamber of Secrets, but I'm going to keep pointing these little introductions to things out because I think they're important. Um, he he kind of starts saying like you know some families are better than others. Now we don't know now he's talking about like pure blood versus muggle born. You know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. a good introduction to this idea that hey, even in this magical world. A lot of the real normal muggle problems still exist. There's a lot of class issues. There's a lot of, you know, generate, even Harry has generational wealth, right? Like there's a Mm -hmm. lot of these types of structures in the wizarding world as well. And as a 10 year old reading this, you're kind of not uh, as aware of it. So it's interesting that it kind of gets pointed out here, but I think it's just a good one liner to to get us, you know, accustomed to the idea
1: that this is going to
0: be a larger problem going forward.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And then I like how, just in keeping in the theme of Ron and Harry never being prepared for anything, it's Hermione that has to, like, kick down down the door and be like, we're five minutes away. Put on your robes. And they're like, oh, shit.
0: She also says she's going to go tell the conductor. Like, dude, I think she knows Hermione. Like, calm down. I think the train conductor's on top of how far away Hogwarts is.
1: I mean, the train did also like run into a, almost run into a flying car in the second book. So I don't know how much faith I have in the train conductor.
0: But Hermione doesn't know that yet. Hermione That's, is like, I'm going to go talk to the conductor. We're like five minutes away. It's like, I don't think you need to. I think he knows
1: mm. how far
0: away. Um, one of the someone in this chapter, I put it in my notes. So I can't remember who, but someone in this chapter mentions that like the Malfoy said they were imperialist and came back to, you know, the good guys side. I just put spoiler. They did not come back. No. So they should be in jail.
1: And like, they're not. And that, that sucks.
0: Malfoy should have been born in jail.
1: And Ooh. he's not. Yeah. Mm. Who would he have gone to if he were born in jail? Like would he have gone to Tonks or Bellatrix?
0: Who knows? I don't okay. I don't even want to get into like wizard custody <laughs> stuff. Like, oh my god. Like wizard custody <laughs> stuff? Like get me out of here. I don't even want to try to untangle that. <laughs> um, I want to be clear before we move on I, I don't want people to be born in prison obviously I just Malfoy should never like he would the Malfoy should be like the parents should be in jail after <laughs> the first a- wizarding war and they're not yeah. that's what my problem with that is yeah but yeah no I don't want to get into wizarding custody stuff like good god that would be an absolute nightmare hopefully Tonks but probably hopefully. Bellatrix
1: would he have been nicer if no, Bellatrix
0: was, nice- was in Azkaban Tonks
1: Oh, yeah, it would have been Tonks.
0: Oh, what could have been? I'm telling you, if they were in, things would have turned out so much better for him.
1: Mm. I wonder what a nice Malfoy would have been like.
0: Well, not I- in this book. There would have been another. We needed the jerk. That nice Malfoy just wouldn't be in the book, unfortunately. But things would have been better for him. Um, mm-hmm. We're on the platform now. We find Hagrid. Hagrid seemingly doesn't regret not telling Harry where to go or anything. He's like, hey, you made it cool hopefully that wasn't too difficult harry <laughs> right like he has no concern at all he's just everyone made it good work hagrid um yeah the boat entrance to the school is sick absolutely oh, yeah. incredible entrance and it's kind of mm-hmm. weird because i don't know if this is a first year thing because like later they're going to take the Thestrals in and all that stuff but for this book this boat entrance is my favorite Hogwarts entrance. This is so cool. The, the description of the lake, the description of the castle, uh, yeah, this is this is magical to me. This mm-hmm. is awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is a first year thing, because every other year, yeah, they well, Harry never gets to school in a normal way. It's too cool for school, but yeah, I think it is a first year thing, and I think that's so like if you're a if you're a Muggle born and you know nothing about Hogwarts, you've heard nothing, and you just go out from like this small cave tunnel to see this giant castle. I'd, I'd freak out.
0: Yeah, no, I this this must be the coolest possible entrance to Hogwarts. It, do, mm-hmm. it doesn't get beat. This is the, like, all the books, this is the best Hogwarts. I mean, to be fair, most of them, we don't even get to enter Hogwarts in a normal way. So it's like, it might be the yeah. only normal entrance we get.
1: He's, like, usually unconscious, and then he just wakes yeah, up. Yeah, there's, no, there's,
0: like, there's flying cars, there's unconsciousness, there's you know, sneaking into <laughs> Malfoy's, there's Dementor attacks, there's a lot of stuff going on
1: yeah <laughs>
0: but this is the it still makes it the coolest even if it's the only one it's still the coolest one mm-hmm. i agree perfect that's it for this chapter do you have any overall kind of thoughts on the chapter before we do winners
1: well right now i'm very affronted by the trevor erasure after a whole chapter of looking for trevor we finally find him
0: oh sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, is I why, just, uh,
0: this is why people that are better than me are on this podcast. Like, ah, <laughs> fuck Trevor. I
1: just, I just, but like, he's just a toad. How did he, because Neville didn't have, like, had no control over him from the platform to Hogwarts. How did Trevor get from a platform at King's, King's Cross Station onto the train and then follow Hagrid and then onto the boat and then at the school? Trevor's a genius doesn't get enough credit
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna give i'm glad i'm glad you gave trevor all that i was certainly not going to so i'm glad that you were here to give trevor all the credit he deserves for being Dude, smarter than neville question <laughs> mark like uh, argue uh, maybe, this you know what right? maybe this is why toads were in fashion because they're just smart as fuck they they're are so like we think owls are smart if toads could fly they'd be delivering the mail i think is what we're learning
1: that'd be terrifying
0: that would be terrifying although would you just get i think people like i think it would be terrifying like the first time and then once the Mm -hmm. mail was just delivered by flying toads your toads your whole life it probably wouldn't be it would probably just be normal
1: normalized yeah
0: right all right is there is there anything (laughs) else i erased
1: uh no no i'm just a number one trevor stan so it needed fair enough
0: fair enough all right (laughs) we'll do chapter winners now if there's anything we miss people listening we'll, we'll pick it up in other chapters a lot of this stuff is you know exposition which means it interconnects really nicely um mm-hmm. i actually changed my winner for the next chapter i had a change of heart okay however for this chapter i'm gonna go with harry again went with harry last episode it was close for ron in this episode i go with harry again he makes it which i think is you know for people like ron it was never really in doubt for people like malfoy you Hermione had clearly more help getting to the train than Harry did Harry made it and I think that's a huge thing he was so worried he's going to be worried the worry doesn't stop next chapter he's worried about how to get sorted but he didn't know Mm -hmm. where to go he relied on the Dursleys to get to the platform and he just kind of luckily ran into the Weasleys to tell him how to get through and then he's on the train you know what I mean like I just think Harry making it to Hogwarts in one piece, making a new friend, you know, getting to, to buy all the candy. I, I just think that, that Harry gets the win here. Although for Ron, Ron immediately making a best friend is super clutch as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think, I think Ron could have been a backup winner here, but I'm going to give it to Harry back to back, which is not great for my Harry doesn't actually win Harry Potter stats so far, <laughs> but I'm going do... to do.
1: Yeah. I have to agree with you. I would say that Harry wins this chapter for a lot of the same reasons. All again, and you'll hear me say this word a lot, but, like, he exercises a lot of agency. Like, Harry has been kind of pushed around by outside forces his whole life. He hasn't really had a lot of control. So now we get to start seeing what him taking control looks like, what decisions he'll make, who he'll choose, choose to associate with, all of that. So I would give it to Harry... But I will say that before I realized we were keeping track of this, I did put Trevor as my chapter winner.
0: <laughs> That's fine.
1: That, that lines right. up
0: perfectly with your Trevor standing.
1: <laughs> if nothing else, I am consistent.
0: Yeah, no, this is all being... I It's not like a public thing yet. I'm keeping track of it on a spreadsheet.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: the, my, the, the reasonable reason to do this is because I... Because no one's favorite character is Harry Potter. And so I'm trying to think of like, okay, does he actually win? Like if we had to pick a winner every chapter does he actually have the most chapter wins? Mm. I think he must just because it get the, after him, it gets diluted by so many cool people. Yeah. However, I just wanted to see what the stats are on that. Right?
1: Yeah.
0: Anyways. I, know,
1: I think for the first few chapters, it, it has to be Harry because we don't know anyone else. So unless we are going to straight up give it to Trevor, then I think it has to be Harry.
0: Right. Well, I think we'll give it to Harry. I think that's fair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if people will... Uh, you, you know, go with the results. I don't think they'll accept the results. Mm-hmm. If Trevor wins, <laughs> there's a vote for Trevor <laughs> in this chapter. Um, uh, for my chapter winner, for like more of a conceptual thing, place thing, concept theme, I went with introductions. Mm-hmm. Very successfully done set of introductions. It's hard. There's a lot of exposition in this chapter. It never felt heavy. Or other than the, the Gringotts break-in part, never smacked you in the face. Um, we we get some really good like two or three lines about each character that we need to know that sets them up perfectly for how they will interact with the story later. Just introductions kind of win.
1: Hmm. I for mine I went with a thing instead of a theme this time. I'm really big on like symbols and um like symbolic items in stories. So for this chapter I picked the train. Uh, kind of for a, the same reason I picked Hedwig last time. Is it? Uh, the train acts as like a gateway um, between the Muggle world and the Wizarding world for Harry, and it's such a important transition that he makes. And he starts before getting on the train knowing nothing, and then by the time he gets off the train, he knows so much more, and he's ready to start kind of diving in to this Wizarding world. So I gotta go with uh, my buddy, the uh, Hogwarts Express. That's a great pick. Great Thank- pick.
0: All right. Well, if you're listening at home, uh, you know, on a walk, in the car, on your commute, at work, feel free to listen to this instead of working, whatever you do. Hopefully it makes you happy. Uh, feel free to let us know who won. Who do you think won? There's Twitter, there's Gmail. Look, look in the show notes. There's a million ways to let us know who you think won this chapter. Uh, we will be back in your podcast feed shortly with Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it so you don't miss, you don't want to miss any episodes of this podcast, okay? You don't want to miss them. If you click subscribe, you won't miss them. It's very simple. Also, make sure to leave a review wherever you're listening to this. Apple is the best place to do that, but if your podcatcher allows you to leave reviews, that's awesome. Or if you can't leave reviews, tell a friend, tell your neighbor, tell your dog about it. I don't know. The best way a podcast gets out is via word of mouth. So if you have a mouth and you would like to use the words from it to tell people about this podcast that would be awesome otherwise check the show notes for all of the things the twitter the gmail the patreon the facebook group just there's a lot of things you might be interested that you want to check out down there otherwise thank you so much for watching we appreciate it big thank you again to rachel for hopping in on this episode Um, but yeah i think that's it thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next one